Well, good evening. We're glad you're here this evening. Evening. If you're back with us again, that's wonderful. If you're back for the or here for the first time, that's good as well. We're just glad for the crowd that is assembled here as we seek to seek to excuse me seek to study for just a few moments together this evening. Hopefully, we'll encourage you as you get ready to go out into the week. Whether it's a work week or a school week or maybe just lots of other things week, we're glad that you're here and hopefully we will be encouraged by our study tonight together. Uh, this is the correct lesson this time. And I only say that because I beat Charles up this morning after the service was over. Uh, and actually, I, I, I took full blame. I never even thought to tell him which one was Sunday morning, which one was Sunday night. And he usually had the bulletin, and he didn't this week. So we got our wires crossed, but I appreciate him. I told him uh, usually I had to put it on the computer myself, and so I'm just thankful to be able to send it to him on Friday and not have to worry about it and hop up here, and it all works smoothly. And even when it doesn't, we get it all going all right. So uh, tonight I'd like to encourage you with just... Uh, a few words about being bold in Christ. You know, when we think about what the Bible has to say about being bold, and those people who were bold, I think we could suffice it to say that God wants some type of boldness out of his people, some, some type of bold living. You know, all throughout the Bible, God exhorts men, and of course I would say as well, not just men, but even women and those who would seek to follow him to be bold. People who are bold and strong and of good courage. If you've got your outline in front of you, uh, the passage that's right under the title of the lesson is Proverbs chapter 28 and verse 1. Proverbs chapter 28 and verse 1, because it sums it up the best for us as we think about maybe what God wants us to know and what we could say about being bold. When the writer of Proverbs says, The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. The righteous are bold as a lion. I think we could say that God wants his people to be people who are bold. Now, what exactly does that mean? That could mean various number of things. We lament sometimes today that in our world, we kind of have to cower down or cower back. We're afraid to speak out too much. We know, as the Bible makes it very plain and clear, that we're in the minority. But that causes us sometimes to have a little hesitation. Maybe not be willing to speak the truth or to speak up at times. God wants people who are going to be bold and strong and of good courage. If you have your Bibles, we'll look at a couple of New Testament passages as well. These aren't in the outline per se. But Philippians chapter 1, Philippians chapter 1, verses 27 and 28. Paul says, Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, and not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which is to them a proof of perdition, but to you of salvation in that from God. We understand that we should stand fast. We understand that we should be strong. But we should do so even in a way that it causes others to realize that there's not a lot that can shake us. And again, sometimes it, it varies when we go through struggles in life, be it financially or even physically with our health. We feel a little shook sometimes. We're a little unsure. Sometimes we feel on unsteady ground. But when we recognize that we are in Christ, that we can be bold in Christ then we recognize and other people recognize in us the courage that we sometimes have, the strength that we have, being bold in Christ. One other passage, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, 
I believe we've uh, hit this every Sunday so far. I don't know that we'll keep that up through the rest of the year. 2 Timothy 1, 7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I don't say it that way to make light of it at all, but we ha- it has found its way into just about every lesson so far, or at least every Sunday. But it's important for us to recognize that. Uh, whether it's about the new life that we talked about last week or many other things that we want to look at, we have an opportunity to partake in the power of God, to share in that power, and that would not have us be scared or afraid or fearful, but courageous and bold. Great men, and again, I would include women, although I didn't say it on the slide in that exact way, but great men and women who are bold in the strength of God have been great because of just that. It's the strength of God that gives them that encouragement. It's that strength that God gave them that allows them to stand and face some of the things that we read about throughout the Bible. And when we think about it tonight, we're going to have two main points, or two main divisions, if you will, of the lesson. And when you think about the Bible, we mentioned that even this morning, there's usually two choices. You're either going to be one side or the other. God says you're either for me or against me. I don't want you to be lukewarm. Jesus says don't be lukewarm. And in the same way, when it comes to being bold in Christ, you can see the beginning on the bottom part of the slide there, those who believed not in the language of failure and defeat, but in faith and the language of faith and victory are those who would be bold in Christ. And that's exactly the two parts of our lesson tonight. First of all, let's look at a few examples of the language of defeat. Again, if you've got your outline, that will kind of be the two sections that we're going to look at. But first of all tonight, the language of defeat. Perhaps you've heard someone talk that way. Perhaps you've seen someone act that way. They've used language that showed they were defeated. A lot of times when it comes to defeat and victory, we think about sports teams and, and you know, athletics. And you may can recall a time that you've heard someone who was down by a lot of points or down maybe several games in a series of games, and they had that language of defeat. But, of course, that's not the only place, and we want to think about a few biblical examples tonight. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, or maybe you're following along, we're going to flip all over tonight and look at several different passages, beginning, first of all, in Exodus chapter 14. Exodus chapter 14. The first group of people that use the language of failure and defeat are the Israelites in Exodus chapter 14. And specifically tonight, let's look at verses 11 and 12. Exodus 14, 11 and 12. Then they said to Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you so dealt with us to bring us up out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt, saying, Let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. You know, if you've got your Bible open there, and maybe your Bible has headings, chapter 14 says in mine, the Red Sea crossing. We're right here with this great miracle, all right? We don't have miracles today, per se, in biblical standards, but this miracle that's about to take place of these people walking on dry land in a body of water, we're not even out of this chapter, and the children of Israel are going to have this language of defeat. And they're going to look at this occasion, and they're going to sound like someone who's already lost before it's even started here in chapter 14. But as well, they looked at the situation in front of them through a negative eye. 
They looked at the trouble that they might face. They looked at what they were, where they were in that moment and that they have not crossed the Red Sea yet, but yet they know they're being chased and they have this great body of water in front of them and they're already defeated. They wanted, in essence, to stay in slavery. They said, why did you bring us out of slavery into the wilderness here? What an idea to think about that they were willing to stay in slavery rather than trust in God or trust here in Moses and question what was taking place. We might even say they were defeated before they even started. You want to talk about a language of defeat, looking at where they had been and knowing the uncertainty that might have been ahead of them, they were willing just to accept the defeat and say, well, you should have just left us in slavery in Egypt. And we see here, if we're thinking about being bold in Christ, this looks like the opposite to me. Number two this evening, the spies of Israel. If you've got your Bible, you might turn over to Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13, verses 31 through 33. You know this passage well, possibly with these spies who have come back to give their report. And verse 31 of Numbers 13 says... But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land, which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. Then we, there we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak came from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. The spies of Israel don't come back with a favorable report. The Bible says, the New King James says here, a bad report. But these spies we know and can understand lacked confidence in God's power. I mean, I, I understand that they, don't ha they didn't have the Old Testament as we had it. Okay, they couldn't go as we do from page to page looking at example after example of people who looked at a problem in front of them, but yet with the power of God were able to defeat it. They couldn't flip over and say, well, what about David against Goliath? They didn't have it in that way. But they had seen examples. They had examples that were passed down from generation to generation of the power of God, but they lacked that confidence here. They looked for reasons to say no. And in fact, barely does Caleb say there, if you look at verse 30, we begin in verse 31, barely does Caleb finish by saying we can do it, we can do this, then the defeat, the language of defeat flows from the mouth of the other ten spies. Almost cutting them off, if you will. Oh, no, don't try to give a good report. Just, this isn't possible. There's just no way we're going to be able to accomplish this. But one thing is important. If you look at verse 33 again, the Bible says that they were willing to say that they were as grasshoppers in their own eyes. It goes on to say, and so we were in their sight. But they looked at the possibility and they said, there's just no chance. You want to talk about language of defeat. The spies of Israel certainly had that type of language and lived that type of life, at least here in this situation. And as well, when we kind of begin to make the, uh, the application to ourselves, that kind of attitude that the ten had there produces doubt, stimulates fear, and generates just a climate of pessimism, a climate of fatigue, a climate of there's nothing we can do 
There's no reason to try to go any further. We're just kind of stuck where we are. And that's going to begin to seep into other people around not only those ten here in this particular case, but as we kind of think about ourselves and make the application, even into a congregation, we would see that same thing happen. Number three this evening, Exodus chapter 4. Exodus chapter 4 and the example of Moses. Again, some of these are passages or stories or accounts that you're familiar with. But in Exodus chapter 4, as Moses has the doubt, the fear and the doubt that stands in his way. Verse 1, then Moses answered and said, but suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say the Lord has not appeared to you. And then verse 10, then Moses said to the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. Again, a passage that's familiar to us, no doubt, when it comes to what Moses is saying here. But do you hear the excuses in verse 1? My children know that it's always dangerous to be here when daddy's preaching because I use them as examples a lot. But is that not the way that our children are sometimes? When they say, well, what if this happens? Well, suppose that they do this. Well, suppose that I do that. Well, what if this happens? And they begin to formulate all these excuses. And Moses does just that in verse 1. Suppose, suppose, what if, God? And he's using this language of defeat. When we think about Moses here, he's got an opportunity before him. And we're going to look at another opportunity here in just a moment when we switch gears. But fear and doubt are standing in his way. He forgot his ability to be God's servant. Again, when we think about the examples, many of these Old Testament people were experiencing miracles. They're experiencing things that we cannot even begin to imagine. I cannot imagine standing in front of a sea, in front of a body of water, and it just parting. I just can't imagine it. They're experiencing these things, and yet at times they're forgetting their ability to be God's servant and his ability to do so many great things. When we think about faith and doubt, they're opposites. They were opposite, in opposite uh, categories for Moses, and they would be the same way for us. And we need to recognize that and think about ways that we can be bold using, avoiding, if you will, the language of defeat. One more example here before we switch gears. Number four, the one-talent man. If you've got your Bible, let's go over to the New Testament in Matthew chapter 25. I told you we'd jump all over. Matthew chapter 25 and verse 25. You know the parable of the talents. And it is in verse 25 that that little old one-talent man says, And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. You know, oftentimes in our life, when we think about being bold in Christ, the opposite is that fear keeps us from using our talents. Fear gets in the way and causes us to not try. How many times in our life have we avoided trying something? How many times have people across the years and decades failed in life because they were willing to try? Just to try. Just to put forth a little bit of effort. Just to try once to talk to that person or that family member that needs to know about Jesus Christ. Just once to speak to that person that maybe you've wronged before or they've wronged you, but you could do well by trying to bridge that and have a chance to reconcile. How many times do we fail because we are not even willing to try? 
And the one talent man gives us exactly that kind of example. And from that kind of person, because we'll look at the one talent man and we'll say, that's not me. I would never be that way. But from that kind of person, and when we are that kind of person, which we can be from time to time, comes the statement, well, it won't work. Oh, we've tried that before. There's no, no reason in trying it again. It won't do any good. We, we've tried to send out letters. We've tried to knock doors. We've tried to any number of things you can fill in the blank with. When you're like the one talent man, and sometimes we can be, it won't work. It's the language of defeat. But tonight we want to shift gears for just a moment and think about the language of victory. If you've got your outline there, that's the second section that we want to look at tonight. Because yes, there are many people in the Bible who have the language of defeat. But there's a lot of language of victory as well. And I think the choice is obvious when we think about which way we would rather be. First of all, this evening, let's think about the language of victory when it comes to Joshua. We think about Joshua chapter 1, the very beginning there. When Joshua, we roll up upon Joshua chapter 1 here, verses 6 through 9, Joshua is speaking to the people after the death of Moses. Now, I told you we'd come back to a choice. We'd come back to an opportunity for choice. And this is it right here. Moses. Moses. Moses and all that he did is gone. Not going to be around anymore. And Joshua has a choice. In a passage that you know well, we sing songs about it and sing songs from this as well. Beginning in verse 6. Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. So when we think about this shift here, this change this encouragement that's going to take place here with the nation of Israel. We can have courage just as they had courage. We can have the courage to follow in God, to follow the words of God, to follow the way he would have us to go. And we can understand the victory, the victory that is won in him. Listen to the words again of exhortation that are here. Be strong and of good courage. Only thou be strong and courageous. Be not afraid, neither be dismayed. The Lord thy God is with thee. Again, as you continue on down there for, through verse 9, we did not read all of that just a moment ago. But remembering these words, looking at these types of words, whether in the New Testament or the Old Testament, whether we look in any place to see words like this, we can see the positive in almost every situation. Again, I know what I've faced in my life. I don't know what all, all of you have faced. I can't uh, speak to someone who's stared cancer in the face. I can't speak to others who might have faced a very terrible situation in their life. But as we look at almost every situation, when we think about these words that come even here from Joshua chapter 1, about being strong and courageous, doesn't mean we're bulletproof. doesn't mean that we're never going to get discouraged or down along the way. But in Christ... And in God, knowing that he is with us, then we can have that language of victory. And going back to the beginning of the lesson in the title, we can be bold in Christ. Number two this evening, if you've got your Bible, let's go over to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 4, and let's look at the apostles for just a moment. We could spend, of course, an entire lesson or a series of lessons on the book of Acts, even as Harris did a while back for us, kind of working through some of the great things that take place there in one of his lessons and thinking about all the encouragement. Acts chapter 4 and verse 13. 
After Peter and John had been arrested and they had been uh, addressed the Sanhedrin, they realized, the people that they had been speaking to realized something there in Acts chapter 4 and verse 13. Now when they saw, and here's our key word, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled. And they realized that they had been with Jesus. Now, again, I usually use the New King James Version many times up here uh, from the pulpit. But in particular here in Acts 4 and verse 13. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. Peter and John had been speaking to the people. Even through all that they had been through. In just the the few short chapters we read about there at the beginning of the book of Acts. They'd gone through a lot. And as they were speaking, the people recognized they have boldness. They recognized that because they appear to be untrained men. They appear to be uneducated men. And the people are able to look at them and see that even through all that, there's something different about these guys because they have boldness. But even further than that, they realize this because of their actions and their words. Whether they were untrained or uneducated, uh, whether they were beat down, whether they were in prison, whether they'd been arrested, they were going to keep proclaiming the words. And that's what the other uh, passage that's here on the screen, jumping down to verses 18 through 20. So they called them and commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Boldness. Boldness in the face of even the authorities here. You know, this is where the judge might say, you're in contempt of court, get them out of here. Go put them back in prison. This is where as parents we would say, don't talk back to me. Don't talk back like that and tell me what you're not going to do or what you are going to do. But in the proper way here, Peter and John are showing their boldness by defying, if you will, the authorities and their commands. Now, that's, again, a whole other lesson for a whole other time to think about uh, respecting our civil government and obeying the laws as much as we can when it comes to the Word of God. But they do somewhat defy here. But they do so with boldness. They do so with their words, but not only their words, their actions. But they do so, as our main point is tonight, by being bold in Christ. And the apostles show that language of victory. When they speak up and they say, we've got to keep talking. We've got to keep saying these things. We've got to keep telling. We cannot keep quiet, even though you may have given us this command. Now, if you've got your uh, third point there and you've got your outline, look at, uh, turn with me to Philippians chapter 1. And let's think about Paul for just a moment. Again, you may have the one more fill in the blank there. And it's Paul in Philippians chapter 1. We're going to look at a couple of passages here in Philippians. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6, first of all. Paul says, being confident. Again, when we talk about the difference between the language of defeat and the language of victory, he says, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. You know, God is our strength. God created us. God has sustained us. God will not give up on us. When you want to have the language of victory that comes from being in Christ 
and recognizing that while we may quit on God sometimes, God will not quit on us. He wants us to repent. He wants us to follow after him. He is our strength. And then one more passage here, Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13, that I think we can all quote. Philippians 4, 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Paul is willing to tap into the true power source. He knew contentment. When you look at actually verses 11 and 12 and 13, when you look at them all there together, yes, the world many times may try to throw out verse 13 as something you know in and of itself and just kind of take it out of context maybe and think they can do anything. But when we look at the entire passage and think, Paul knew contentment. He faced every task. He faced every single struggle feeling adequate through the strength that he had in Christ. We can be bold in Christ. And that is the encouragement that we can take not only from Joshua, not only from the apostles, not only from Paul, but in many other places that we could take the time to look at tonight. But we have an opportunity to be bold. But it comes, as we said just a moment ago, with the language of victory. Recognizing who has the power and where we can go to for that power. Where we can tap into to get that power. When we set our Bibles aside, when we set the Word of God aside, when we set aside and, and don't go to the services of the church at Bible class and the times that we have to spend together that are planned, we become weak. We lose that power. The power that is found in numbers and strength and strength in numbers, the power that is found in Christ. We have an opportunity to be bold in Christ. But why do I need to be bold in Christ? Well, when we think about it, being bold in Christ can turn our dreams into achievements. It can turn our problems into projects. It can turn our obstacles into opportunities. It can turn our tragedies into triumphs. We can take almost any situation and spin it around and think about the good things that can be done, even through the problems, the obstacles, the tragedies. Because in Christ, and being bold in Christ, allows us to take all those things and look at them a different way. It allows us to look at the power of our numbers here together, to lean upon each other, because we are one in Christ, and we can be bold in those various problems and obstacles and tragedies. And we can achieve so many great things, not only numerically, not only maybe in a physical sense, but spiritually together, we can accomplish the goal when we are bold in Christ together. Tonight, when we think about Christians who speak the language of faith and victory, what are some things that we can do when we speak the language of faith and victory? Well, Christians can build successful marriages. They can have happy families. They can build a path for others to follow. We can build leadership for the church not only in the future, but even at this very moment. When Christians have the language of faith and victory, we can accomplish these kinds of things. We can build, build congregations that are filled with love and hope and the truth. We can build the courage, even within each one of ourselves, to talk to others. I was talking even with someone last week about the opportunity to discuss with those that we come in contact with, maybe even in our workplace, having the courage to talk to someone and ask them to consider what the Bible has to say. It's tough sometimes. But when we encourage each other, when we have that language of faith and victory, we have an opportunity to do just that. 
Tonight I want to leave you with two final verses very quickly. One that you're probably more familiar with and one that you may not be. First of all, Romans chapter 1 and verse 16 and 17. When we think about Paul and the language of victory again, Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, The just shall live by faith. When we think about being bold in Christ and we think about the power, the power comes from God. That's what we need to recognize when we go forth into the work week, whatever week it is before us, the school week, whatever we're going to face, the power comes from God. But number two, to think about a passage from Peter in John chapter 6, and what I think is one of the saddest pictures of the Bible, but as well an encouraging picture, in John chapter 6 is there are many who turn their backs on Jesus. And verse six, John chapter 6 and verse 66. That's what I think is one of the saddest pictures of the Bible. You know, it's one thing when we turn our back on Jesus. Because he's not here in the flesh. What about those who are walking with him? Who are witnessing these things? Who are listening to his words? And as verse 66 says, From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Physically, standing in front of him. Jesus the Son of God standing in front of them, and they turned their back on him. But as we go on to verse 67, then Jesus said to the twelve, do you also want to go away? And in verse 68, Peter gives the answer. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. That rhetorical question, Peter almost says, what? Why are you even asking us that? Where else would we go? You have the words of eternal life. Peter gives us the answer. The answer is found in Christ. When we want to be bold in Christ, when we think about facing the week ahead of us, when we think about facing the life ahead of us, we think about helping others and what all we can accomplish, we need to be bold in Christ. We need to have the language of victory. That means that we can accomplish almost anything we set our minds to with the power of God, with the boldness that is found in Christ. Again, we're all in various situations as we think about what lies ahead of us in the coming hours, days, weeks, and years. But together, as we think about being bold in Christ, we can truly accomplish victory. Not only that great victory as we think about the eternal victory of going to heaven, but even true victory that we can have here upon this earth. It's all found in God and in Christ. And when we remember where that power comes from, where the answer is found, we can do great and mighty things with his power and together, even in this congregation, even in this place as we seek to work together. As we conclude our thoughts tonight, we ask for you to consider your life and whether or not you've been bold in Christ. Maybe you can't even say that you've been bold in Christ because you've never been in Christ. We'll be singing in just a moment to encourage you that, that maybe you need to make that greatest commitment that a person can make here upon this earth to have their sins washed away by the blood of Christ for the forgiveness of sins so that the Lord will add you to his church. Maybe you're here tonight and you've done that, but you have wandered away, as we say. You found yourself being a little weak. Maybe it's because you've not studied enough, prayed enough, read enough, been here enough with each other, encouraging each other. Maybe there's some other trouble in your life that's, that's giving you some type of sin, some type of struggle, and you've wandered away. The good news is that God extends his second law of pardon, that we can repent of our sin and pray for forgiveness, and he is willing to do just that, that we can walk in the light as he is in the light. Maybe you're here and you're struggling with something else. You need the prayers of this body, this congregation to encourage you. 
We'll be singing to encourage you for all those reasons. If you'd come forward now as we stand together and as we sing.